Welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Alan Jansen, editor of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast that brings you new ideas, comments, and concerns about the automotive repair and service industry. Sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible for you to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Just go to SiriusXM.ca slash for shops. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Sahas Kata, the CEO of SmartCar. No, not the Mercedes brand. This smart car is a web-based application programming interface that allows mobility applications to gather data about vehicles without the need for hardware like a, like a dongle. Using smart car technology, apps have been developed to read fuel, battery, and tire pressure levels, read the odometer, locate the vehicle, read the VIN, unlock the doors, all without any hardware. SmartCar has recently formed a partnership with Pitstop, a Canadian predictive maintenance company. This could be a breakthrough for independent repair shops that have long wanted to tap into vehicle telematics, but found that hardware, those dongles, were the stumbling block. I called Sahas to find out if this really could open up new telematics opportunities for independent shops. Hey Alan, this is Sahas from SmartCar. How are you doing? Hi Sahas, I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, thanks for asking. Uh, is this still a good time to chat? Yeah, this is great. This is fine. Um, well, let me get right to it. But as I understand it, you have communications access to some 60 million vehicles straight out of the box. No hardware necessary. Do you need to have partnerships with the OE in order to have a connection to a vehicle? The way it works is that the end vehicle owner ends up going through an authentication process to link their car to a product or service. And in this case, that might be something like pit stop. The final piece of consent ends up actually coming through the end user who voluntarily has to link their car to a third-party application. The end user has control over their own privacy and data. Okay, great. So I'm going to come back to that because that's a, a big issue in, in our industry. Can you give me an overview of the partnership that you've reached with Pitstop? Yeah, what we're really excited about is the fact that Pitstop is this pretty innovative uh, prognostics platform. And one of the neat things they're now doing with the smart car platform is going hardware free so that certain segments of their customer base can really take advantage of their fleet management solution in both the United States and Canada without needing to retrofit their cars with OPD devices or any other plug-in hardware. Mm -hmm. And that is something that puts this type of software within reach of a larger, diverse set of fleets, whereas in the past, some of these types of technologies would have potentially been out of reach for certain types of fleets that may not have had the budgets or financial means to invest in hardware. Our focus is, as a smart car platform, making it easy for our partners like Pitstop to really incorporate these APIs for indicators like tire pressure or oil life into their dashboards. You mentioned the concern about car manufacturers controlling the data. And of course, there is a movement afoot. In a lot of industries, it's called right to repair, which suggests that the data that their devices and their cars produce belongs to the consumer and not necessarily to the manufacturer of that device or car. I'm curious where you stand on that issue. And also, it sounds like this is a further step in the democratization of, of vehicle data. Was, is that how you would describe it as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I'm glad you're uh, talking to your audience about topics like right to repair. At SmartCar, we believe that the data generated by a vehicle is the vehicle owner's data. It's not SmartCar's data. It doesn't belong to the OEMs. And in fact, 
smart car actually doesn't store any data on any of the 60 million cars that I just mentioned we're compatible with, where we don't retain a location or even a tire pressure. Our real focus is to, as you said, make it easy for these businesses so that they don't need to go build a lot of additional tooling to take advantage of the data that already belongs to them. We want to enable them to move faster so that, let's say they have a new car, a set of of a fleet of cars, and they want to be able to predictively know when a car needs an oil change or a tire rotation or something else. Even figuring that out, even with new cars, is often very challenging, and we're providing those shovels and tool picks or whatever you want to call them, developer tooling, as we say, to make it easy for companies to build solutions around this. Mm -hmm. Of course, you'd have to be concerned about privacy. I'm sure that that's something that you guys talk a lot about, but also security. I know that, for example, your technology allows a phone to unlock a vehicle. Is there other examples of, I don't want to say intrusive technology, but changes that phones could make to a vehicle that could pose a security threat or a safety threat? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. And we're well aware that these are complex moving vehicles that are expensive and definitely have to take that into consideration. So I think there's two aspects to it. The first aspect is that we go through a pretty rigorous process of developing and testing this technology to ensure that we check every box from using the latest SSL technologies to encryption to uh, access level controls and permission and even OAuth too so that the end consumer can go through a consent flow, all of those things. But the second thing that we do at the end of the day is we, we don't just make these APIs while they're open and people can go and sign up to try it and use it. If anyone's going to implement it and start using any scale, we go through a fairly uh, rigorous onboarding and vetting process to ensure the customer is a legitimate organization and that their implementation is done in a thoughtful manner so that any risks that you may be thinking of are heavily mitigated. Well, there's a, an expanding field of, of threats. We may or may not be able to increase the acceleration of a moving vehicle in the future. We may be able to do all kinds of uh, things. So you guys always have to be looking at the, the horizon to see what's coming in terms of technology and how it impacts mobility. Absolutely. And I think one of the great advantages that this new era of innovation that we're on the forefront of is a little bit different than the past era. And what I mean by that is the past era required kind of modifying vehicles by putting pro-install hardware or plugging in devices that weren't really designed for those use cases. In our case, we're not modifying the car. We're not equipping it with any hardware. We're taking advantage of the technology that the OEM put in there that already went through their rigorous vetting and uh, testing and uh, practices, right? So where we really sit is in the cloud. And in the cloud, that's a skill set software companies do know how to do well. And as a result, we have the ability to maintain that, secure that, and scale that so that it's always safe and secure. And it rather just communicates with the tech that's already in the car versus being the tech itself in the car. And that creates a pretty strong line of separation between where risks can emerge. So has the software development that you got involved in has to do with vehicles and mobility what drew you to that industry? There's so many different industries that could use that work. What, what drew you to mobility? I think growing up in the, I grew up in the Silicon Valley and cars were one of my uh, things that I was more so passionate about than anything else. And the thing that ended up getting me into this was almost by accident. 
I was building apps and stuff for televisions, for phones, for watches, for wearables, all sorts of things. But about five years ago, as we were starting the company, my co-founder and I were actually just trying to go out of our way to go build an app for our car. And we quickly discovered that that was actually really hard to do. Hmm. None of the car companies had a developer portal. That meant you couldn't go to any car company's website to get an API reference, SDKs, or an API key. That paradigm was non-existent. And as we started talking to companies in the insurance space, the fleet management space, the car sharing space, we quickly figured out that all of them also faced the same challenge. There was a pretty large gap in the market. And we then quickly realized that the idea that we were trying to go build an app wasn't really that big of an opportunity, but that there was a a bigger opportunity to actually focus on solving the developer challenge. And uh, that's when we shifted away from building an app for ourselves to building a platform that would end up finding itself kind of at the center of the mobility space. There has been talk about the possibility of remotely repairing vehicles that have a software glitch or have a have an issue that could be fixed with software. Do you see the time when your API allows over-the-air reprogramming and uh, vehicle repairs, as it were, even even if the vehicle is not in a repair facility? I think that's a little further away than what we focus on today at Smart Car. I think we're more about letting you monitor the status of your vehicle and when it needs a repair. We aren't in the territory of issuing software updates or changing the software or hardware in the car itself. And I think there are a lot of really incredible companies that are much better uh, suited with the talent to do those types of uh, changes to the vehicle themselves. Well, it sounds like that is going to become more common, uh, and it sounds like you're saying it may not have anything to do with smart car. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time, and I look forward to seeing what else you guys come up with in the next little while. Thank you so much for your time as well, and uh, definitely look forward to working with you on anything else related to space. Well, that's it for another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'd like to hear what's on your mind these days. And if you have a point of view that you'd like to share with the industry, let me know. You could be a guest on an upcoming podcast. Just drop me a note at alan at newcom.ca. You can subscribe to Auto Service World Conversations on Apple Podcasts or simply visit autoserviceworld.com every Monday morning to hear another conversation. As always, I want to thank SiriusXM Canada for sponsoring us and you for listening. I'm Alan Jansen. See you next time.